The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word. I don't know what your week was like with the weather, okay? But I'm, for a lot of people, they were pretty much kind of shut down, you know, a couple days in your house. Uh, you, you find out how close you are as a family when you're in those kinds of situations. I found out I can eat two bags of Fritos, and, and that's, and, well, it wasn't one sitting. My wife just said one sitting. I got up. <laughs> if you get up, it's not one sitting, so... Uh, anyway, it's just funny what happens when your routine is broken, right? I mean, we get in such routine, and, and life is just is chugging along, and then you have something like this where you stop and you pause, and it's, it's kind of revealing. Uh, I enjoyed the, a little bit of downtime there in the cold, and uh, I hope that you got to stay safe and stay warm yourself. Uh, I'm really excited, though, to be out of the house. I don't know if you kind of get like that, where you just kind of get that itch where it's like, listen, I love being at home, but I got to do something. So it's really nice to be out this morning and uh, excited to be here with you. I want to get into the Word. Uh, as we get ready to get into the Word, I want to give you a few things to look forward to. Uh, during the, the praise and worship there, uh, things were stirring in my heart. I was trying to write down things here in my notes, and I realized that uh, I've got uh, praise and worship handwriting, uh, which is not very good. So uh, you, when you're trying to multitask there, something's going to suffer, and apparently my penmanship is what's going to suffer. So... I'm going to struggle through a couple of these things here. A few things that we're going to find as we get into the Word. Uh, one, uh, it's going to be an opinion, but it's a strong opinion, and I'm happy to defend this opinion. The most important thing to know about God. The most important thing to know about God. Now, again, I know that's an opinion. I'm, I'm not trying to present it as fact or doctrine. I'm, I'm expressing very clearly it's definitely an opinion. But what I believe to be the most important thing to know about God, we're going to see what that would be in the Scripture here and uh, why I would feel that way about it, and perhaps you'll feel the same. Uh, another thing we're going to find is what we need to see all the time. What we need to be seeing all the time. And, and it's amazing to me how much we pick and choose what we look at. Uh, it's, it's important for us to, to keep something fixed before our eyes all the time, something we're supposed to be seeing. A, a third thing that we're going to find is uh, what's got to go, what we need to get rid of. And we'll see why it's so important to get rid of that. Uh, to me, it's important to know those kinds of things so that you can focus on them and do them intentionally. Now, if you're like me, you, you've enjoyed wonderful things in your life, some of them by accident, right? I mean, I enjoy succeeding by accident. I mean, it's, a, it's still a, a win. But I, I want to succeed on purpose. I want to know what I'm doing, do it intentionally, and, and get the result that God promises. And we'll see that when we find out some things that need to go. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to get started. We're going to find out that, that first one, the most important thing about God. I want to go to the book of James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I want to look at verse 17. Now, if you've got your Bibles there and you've got it open to James chapter 1, uh, here's how verse 17 uh, reads. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting. Now, that's going to lay the foundation for where we're going with this. I mean, obviously, you see, every good thing is coming from God, which means there's really no source of any good thing in your life outside of God, right? 
Once you've got that established, it becomes obvious that anything good or worth having in your life is going to come from God. And then God is described. And, and as he's described here, he's identified as the father of lights, but it's more than that, with whom there is no variation or shifting. And that's the part that I want to focus on. That's the part that I really think is important. And, and that's really what I believe to be uh, the most important thing to know about God. I mean, we could debate the most important thing to know about God. Some could say, well, well, the most important thing is to know that he loves you. Well, I wouldn't necessarily argue that. I think that's a good thing to know, right? I mean, my life has been liberated from all kinds of fear and anxiety and, and all kinds of nasty, ugly corruption at the knowledge of God's love for me. That has been a wonderful and, and, and big part of my Christianity. But really, the, the truth is, is, is I could could shake in, in fear if I were to think for a second that love could change. So it's, it's the idea that God won't change, that he won't vary, that he won't shift, that, that one day I won't be his valued, loved, cherished son, and the next day a bit of a disappointment. But that he's consistent, that he's faithful. When you listen to the songs that we were singing earlier, the majority of the songs and their, their, their underlying theme was rejoicing in God's faithfulness. The idea that he won't shift, the idea that he won't change, that he will remain, that he'll be the same. And we see this promise throughout the scripture, and it's a wonderful and refreshing thing to know. Am I excited that God forgives? Absolutely. Am I excited that God loves me? You better believe it. But above all else, I'm excited that that's not going to change. That he loves me unconditionally no matter what, and that's never going anywhere. So when we see this, I have to identify what is this quality that is so important to understand. I mean, what does it mean to not shift? What does it mean to not vary? And is that how someone would describe me? Uh, it's probably not how someone would describe me. I've had three mood changes this morning, right? I mean, I, uh, yeah, there's like when I wake up, there's like when I have a little food, maybe a little caffeine. There's like, you know, an hour into getting going. I mean, it, there's, there's all of these shifts and changes in my life. But when I consider what it would mean to, to not shift or not change, I, I come up with a word that is in our vocabulary today. It, it's used in, in different forms through the scripture, but the concept is it consistent, being consistent. I mean, God's consistent. He's consistent in his love for me. He's consistent in his mercy and his grace toward my life. When I consider the, the wonderful things in my relationship with God or, or my Christianity or, or the church or, or the body of Christ, it's the consistency that, that makes those things powerful and makes those things great. In fact, it's where I see inconsistency, where I start to see frustration, disappointment, or heartbreak. I mean, I've worked in Christian ministry for decades now, and I've seen a, a lot of consistency that has been inspirational. I've seen some inconsistency that's been uh, heart-wrenching. I mean, I've seen those things. I don't claim to have seen it all. You know what happens when you do that, right? About the time you say you've seen it all, get ready to see something new. But you'll see this throughout the Scripture. I'll give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. One specifically, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I like this. I call these kinds of verses like man verses, right? We don't need to interpret how they make us feel. They're just pretty straightforward. Malachi 3, 6. I, the Lord, do not change. Let me reword that without changing its meaning at all. Uh, maybe you could just bring it into a little more uh, contemporary 
a way of saying these things or, or make it fit where we're going with this without altering its meaning. I, the Lord, am consistent. I don't change. I mean, it's pretty tough to argue what's being stated in this passage of Scripture. As God is speaking, he's speaking for himself. There's no room for there to be anything lost in translation. He's saying, hey, I'm God and I'm consistent. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to consider that God is going to remain the same. That consistency is something that, that can be a part of our lives and all of the wonder and the benefits and all the stability and security that we celebrate in our relationship with God can be not only something that is a benefit to us, but it can be a benefit through us to those around us when that same consistency exists in our lives. That consistency in every aspect of our living, that consistency in our relationships, whether they're uh, uh, relationships within marriage and family, whether they're friendships, that kind of consistency introduces a stability that's fruitful and productive. I want to give you a, a couple of passages of Scripture here about some benefits of consistency. Okay, uh, Here's a passage of Scripture for you. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I want to read the passage of Scripture, and as I read the passage of Scripture, let's just see if the benefit stands out to you. The benefit of consistency. Isaiah 26, 3. The consistent of mind... You keep in perfect peace because they trust in you. So you see uh, the consistency present, right? The consistency in mind, the consistency of the thought life, the result being kept in perfect peace. Now, a passage of scripture like this is a powerful thing to, to meditate on, to consider and to, to ponder and think about. There have been plenty of times in my life where I found myself in a state that I would not describe as perfect peace. Uh, I would probably describe it as, uh, you know, sheer panic, right? I mean, we've all had moments uh, where there's been uh, an attempt to bring anxiety or, or frustration or, or anger or some, you know, catalyst to, to disrupt the peace in our lives. And when I consider this passage of Scripture, I can see what needs to be injected into that situation. I mean, I think where there's chaos or where there's anxiety, you know, maybe, well, you need peace. Well, Peace, according to this passage of Scripture, is the product of something. And if I want to get that product, then I need to get what produces that product. And in this passage of Scripture, we're being told that what produces peace is consistency. Consistency of thought. Not being moved from one place to the next in our thinking as it concerns who God is, His love and His affection for us, His call upon our lives, but rather remaining consistent is going to be the catalyst for peace. I'll give you another passage of Scripture here. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, and we'll, we'll see if we can identify, you know, the result of this consistency. I'll give you one from the Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 19. Proverbs 11, verse 19. He who is consistent in righteousness will attain to life. Uh, that's a pretty powerful result. I mean, just that consistency in choices and decisions. Now, make no mistake, I'm not undermining the grace of God. It's understood that everyone has fallen short, that the only righteousness that exists in my life or your life is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is simply talking about choices and decisions that we make every day having effects, cause and effect. The decisions that are consistent with the call of God on our life, with the anointing of God on our life, that are consistent with the life of a believer result in what is life-giving. Why else could Jesus stand and say, I've come that you might have 
life. He might have it in abundance. As we live out our life empowered by the very Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we've been empowered to live out a life that is filled with the zoe or the abundance of life that God's called us to. I want to give you another passage of Scripture here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. It reads like this, For now we truly live if we remain consistent in the Lord. Now we truly live as we remain consistent in the Lord. I mean, this concept of consistency is something that, that gets my wheels turning here. When I consider my life, and, and my life is, is no different than anyone else's life in the sense of, of being born again, uh, being equipped to do the things that God has called me to do, and having the, the tensions of the world pulling in the other direction, I can see that it's consistency in choices, decisions, actions, and activities that are going to make the difference. And when you consider that difference, let me give you a, a few passages of scriptures here. You're going to see uh, some wonderful liberty that comes in our lives as we remain consistent in our choices and decisions. I'll give you a passage of scripture from Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 5. Uh, I want to start with verse 1. Galatians 5 verse 1. It was for freedom that Jesus Christ set us free. Therefore, remain consistent and don't become subject again to the yoke of slavery. I mean, this concept of remaining consistent is something that I think needs to be embraced by the believer, pursued, and intentionally sought after for the purpose of walking in the freedom that God paid the highest price to bring in our lives. I'll give you another passage of Scripture here from the book of Job. Job chapter 11. I want to read verses 14 and 15. If iniquity is in your hand, put it away. Don't let wickedness dwell in your tent. Then you could lift up your face without shame, and you will be steadfast or consistent and not fear. Uh, it's, it's an interesting passage of Scripture to read just by itself, but it has some real value when we begin to break it down. You almost see some, some cause and effect or, or some great instruction here that have a, a really powerful result when these instructions are carried out. Uh, consider what's being said here. First of all, it's talking about evaluating your situation. If you find that there's evil in a situation, get rid of it. I mean, don't let it dwell in your tent. So you can scratch out tent and just put house. There's been a number of things that, that I've had in my home, uh, whether it's a subscription to a, a streaming network or, or one thing or another, you can't make any of these things a rule, but rather you follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There was one streaming network. I didn't agree with some of their policies and their content, and they were very blatant about putting it in my face. I couldn't watch anything on their network without having their policies put right in front of me. I was concerned that it was put in front of my children as well. And a conviction rose in my heart to get that out of the house, so we did. I mean, you'll respond to the convictions that God brings into your heart in, in an individual and personal way, and that's really why we have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, each one of us. In that situation, we decided to get something out of our house. Now, the rest of this passage has the promised result. Then you can lift up your countenance with no shame. Then you will be consistent, and then you have this result, and not be afraid. I mean, what a great result. I mean, honestly, I'm a little bit of a bottom line guy. I mean, if you wanted to tempt me with anything, talk about the result first, right? 
Tell me what the result is. Well, the result is going to be freedom from fear. Fear in all of its forms, whether it's anxiety or whether it's terror, to be free from that is a really wonderful thing. We see that as a result of walking in the consistency that God's called us to walk in. To not go back and forth and back and forth, the things of the kingdom, the things of the world, the things of the kingdom, the things of the world, but rather embrace the things of the kingdom and remain consistent. And then you come to this, this question of, of how do you do this? What does that mean? Is it just simply a matter of taking inventory and throwing out things that are, are bad or unclean and embracing things that are clean? And, and that's not a bad thing to do, but I think there's a little more to it than that. Uh, Psalm 112 verse 7 says that, that he will not fear, for he's consistent, trusting in the Lord. I read this passage of scripture and, and I start to see what it means to be consistent. It, it, the consistency that we're looking for is the consistency that's trusting in the Lord. I mean, consistency by itself isn't the solution because you could consistently do what's wrong. I mean, consistent just means without waver, without change. The consistency that we long for, the consistency that we're called to, is the consistency that is following after the life of Jesus Christ. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. He is the apostle, or rather the example, for our lives. So that consistency that we're looking for is going to require trusting in him. I want to give you a passage of scripture here. I told you before we were going to, to find something out and what we need to see all the time. Now, when we come to a, a message like this, I, I always ask myself, is it just good information or is it godly instruction? Good information is one thing. I mean, to get good information is, is not a bad thing. In fact, I think good information is an awesome thing. But we're not all here just to have our Bible IQ go up a few points. We're here to be transformed, to be equipped, to be, to be given the, the tools that we need to, to mature and to grow in the things of God. And that's really where uh, instruction is, is necessary. It goes beyond information. And this passage of Scripture is where I hope we find instruction. Where we don't just learn that, wow, being consistently godly is a good thing. I think you probably knew that coming into this meeting. But knowing how to have consistent godliness be a real thing in our lives is the instruction that I want to offer and embrace. And I think we find it in this passage of Scripture from the book of Acts. What we need to see all the time was the promise. Acts chapter 2, verse 25. Acts 2, 25. I saw the Lord always in my presence. He is at my right hand so that I will not waver. I want to reword that. I saw the Lord always in my presence. He's at my right hand so that I will be consistent. I mean, as we consider the scripture, as we consider the things that we're looking for in our lives, it's not just a matter of having good information to make good choices, which is a wonderful thing to pursue. Rather, it's about that relationship that God's paid the highest price to bring into our lives, that relationship being with Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, living and active and present in every moment of our lives. You want to know one of the most incredible things that a person could come into awareness of is the idea that they're never alone. 
When you consider that you're constantly in the presence of God, that you're never alone, that you're constantly walking in unison with your King, with your Savior, with your God, it is an eye-opening and wonderful revelation to have. To know that you're in the presence of God, to always see Jesus present in the situations and circumstances being dealt with or being faced, is to open up the door for his headship, his instruction, his, his counsel, uh, his intervention, his involvement, his power, his authority, you name it. If it's Jesus, that opens up the door for Jesus to be involved and to engage. And I think that it's there that we see the importance of consistency. I want to offer a passage of scripture and I want to offer it with, with a certain perspective. I want you to look for what's valued in this passage of scripture. You're going to hear a, an individual praying. Now, this individual has been at a bit of a low, and I, I would be willing to take some liberty and say this person is at an all-time low. They, they've been completely inconsistent. They've done uh, uh, horrific things. They, they've sinned in, in ways that they could have never imagined, never thought was possible for them, and now they're realizing how inconsistent they've been, okay? It's from the Psalms. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Psalm 51 is the psalm. I want to look around verse 10. But Psalm 51 is is this psalm where there's a a crying out in response to this inconsistency. Listen to what's valued here. See if it stands out to you from Psalm 51. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a consistent spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit so that I might be able to teach others your ways and they be converted. I mean, you see someone here that realizes what's been lost. That consistency has has been uh, compromised. And there's a call to renew that consistent spirit within them. Their value for the Spirit of God, because it's the Spirit of God that leads and guides in the consistency that we're called to, to make the choices and the decisions that are pleasing to God, is valued. But it's an interesting thing to consider that this lack of consistency is identified as the problem. And I think oftentimes we get so distracted by the fruit that we don't focus on the root. We'll see what was done wrong and never give any thought to why it was done wrong. And when we stop and consider, you know, the why behind the what, it's going to come down to consistency. I love my wife. And, and if we ever have any dispute and I speak to her in a manner in which would not be defined as loving, that's inconsistent with my heart. It's inconsistent with my vows. It's inconsistent with my commitment to her in that relationship. If I've, I've come into any place or any situation where I've stepped outside of what I'm committed to in that, you see inconsistency. Anytime you see an issue of sin in the life of believer, uh, excuse me, in the life of the believer, you're seeing a, a manifestation of inconsistency. As we've stepped into to new birth, old things pass away, new things come as we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit under the authority of our King Jesus and, and with the, the full empowerment of the kingdom of heaven. When choices and decisions are made that are compromised, that are sinful or unrighteous, what you're seeing is a manifestation of inconsistency. And when we see that, it helps us to know and to understand where we need to go to work. 
And I think the psalmist sees this. You don't hear him give a line item list of everything that he did wrong. Well, I, I lusted, I, I did this, I murdered, I did that. I did. You don't see a line item list of the fruit of this issue. You see him dealing with the root. Father, I need consistency restored to my life. I need consistency of mind. I need consistency of heart. I've, I've grown to a place where I've not seen Jesus with me all the time. I'm, not, I'm, I'm seeing my own things. I'm seeing my own desires. I'm seeing uh, what would temporarily be satisfying to me, and I'm not seeing what is eternally glorifying to you. I'm seeing the wrong things, and I've become inconsistent. Please, Father, restore unto me a consistent spirit, a consistent mind, a consistent heart. Dealing with the root is an important thing. And oftentimes when we only deal with the fruit, we sit and we wrestle with those things and we end up on a roller coaster. Good days, bad days, good days, bad days. Well, I've been doing good for a while. Well, I tripped and fell and stumbled. Well, I did good now and, and I've got some accountability there, so it's going to be great. Well, that fell off now and, and it's bad again. Really, dealing with the fruit is a trap. The fruit is meant to identify an issue with the root where God is going to work, just like it was said from the beginning of the gospel, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. And oftentimes I think believers are going around trying to pick all the fruit they can so their tree will look right when God is wanting to go to work at the root. And when we let God go to work at the root, it's at the point of consistency, stability, all the things that we so desperately need to live that life that we're equipped to live. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture here. We're going to move forward quickly. I want to give you some uh, passages that I want to refer to as evidence, evidence of consistency in, in your life, godly consistency. So I offer this to you just because it's in the Scripture. It's in the Scripture, and it's in the Scripture so much that I think it's worth making a note of. Evidence of unwavering uh, or or uncompromising or consistent godly living, praise. Praise. Now, praise isn't limited to singing songs. I mean, we're not all songbirds. We can't all be Pastor Jared and, and you know, the rest of the worship team. In fact, uh, uh, one of those songs I was in awe of. I just thought, my gosh, that was the most incredible thing I think I've ever heard this morning. And, and I realized that uh, there's a reason why I don't get to hold a microphone yet. Right? So praise is, is about your life, your lifestyle, your choices, your decisions, the things that bring God honor and glory. But you'll see praise listed here, and, and sometimes it is manifest in song as this evidence of consistency. Uh, Psalm 108, verse 1. My heart is consistent, O God. I will sing. I will sing praises even with my soul. Uh, from the book of, of Acts, uh, uh, chapter 2, you'll see here, uh, he's at my right hand, so I will be consistent. Therefore, my heart will be glad and my tongue will exalt. Uh, Psalm 57, verse 7, my heart is consistent. Oh God, my heart is consistent. I will sing, I will sing praises. When we're consistent, we're, we're free from distractions. I mean, that inconsistency is an open door for, for the things that gum up the work, so to speak. The, the, the shame and, and the frustration and the anxiety that are a distraction from the thanksgiving and the praise and the glorification of God that he's worthy to receive. So as we come into this understanding that, that this godly consistency is an important thing to prioritize for the purpose of intentionally 
uh, living and, and pursuing that life that God's called us to live, I want to offer a few obstacles. These are things that stood out to me, and I believe they're listed in the scripture. It's not a complete list, but it's just a pretty good list to get started. And because we're limited on time, it's just a few things. But there are a few things that I think we all deal with. Uh, one, of, one of these things that's going to get in the way of our consistency if we're not aware, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional to pr- protect from letting this uh, uh, prevail against our godly consistency is, is going to be the past. The past. I mean, if you're taking notes, you can just write down the past. If you want to elaborate on that, you can, you can elaborate looking back. If you want to elaborate even further, you could sum it up with, with one word, and that would be regret. The past can affect our present consistency if we allow our past to rule our present. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, and I want to offer it with this. Every single person in this room has a past. I mean, every one of us needing to be born again, calling on the same blood of Jesus, walking in the same covenant, every one of us has a past. And our our present has been equipped with the same spirit of God to be prosperous, to be wonderful, and to bring glory to God. Let me give you this passage of scripture from Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, I want to begin in verse 13 and read to 15. Forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. Press on toward the goal, the prize, the call of God in Jesus Christ. Let therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. That word perfect meaning mature or complete. It's that completion that we have in Jesus and only in Jesus, by the way. But what an interesting thing to consider. That walking in that perfection, which you could substitute the word consistent. Walking in that consistency in this passage of scripture is given as the result of not being led by the past. In fact, here the the comment is to forget what lies behind but rather reach forward to what lies ahead. Well, you'll see believers, and and I can put myself on this list, whose present consistency is affected by things in the past. And coming to the conclusion that God has redeemed the past and he's anointed the present is what equips us to walk in a powerful future. Another thing that we need to overcome to to walk in, in the consistency, the righteous consistency that God's called us to, is sorrow. Now, that's kind of an odd word. We don't use it every day. I mean, like, I I really don't use that word often in my vocabulary at all. But it's a word that we all understand. We know what it means. Sorrow can affect your consistency. You can see individuals that have had very consistent track records with choices and decisions, and then something happens where there's sadness and sorrow introduced in their life, and all of a sudden, consistency goes out the window. Decisions and choices are not made in the same manner in which they were made before. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that's important to understand and embrace in order to know that this is, one, normal, and two, that God wants to deal with it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, There is a sorrow according to the will of God. Now, that makes me feel good. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be uh, sorrowful or disappointed. There is a sorrow that is according to the will of God, and it produces a repentance without regret, a change without regret. It means it moves you in the right direction, not the, right, the wrong direction. And the rest of the scripture uh, indicates that by saying it leads to salvation. Salvation, deliverance, victory. 
there is a sorrow according to the will of God that produces all that's necessary to lead to victory. Then you have the flip side to that coin, but, but the sorrow of the world produces loss. Some of your Bibles may translate that as death. So you'll see these two things. One is going to produce what is good and what is victorious. The other is going to produce the opposite. And these things can affect our consistency, our consistency in our choices and our decisions. I want to give you this, this last one here that we can prevent against. And I, I mentioned to you we're going to find what needs to go, what really there's no room for in the believer's life, and yet it's something that we all deal with. It's the reason why we need the body so that we can encourage one another and this monster that's got to go is the monster called doubt. Doubt can affect our consistency. Doubt entering into a person's life can lead to inconsistency. We can step into a situation or a circumstance standing solid on faith, trusting and believing God, knowing that we're equipped with all that we need to see this victory. And the moment doubt comes in, everything's called into question. That's what doubt is. It's what it does. And the result of doubt is complete destruction to what is stable and what is consistent. In fact, I'll give you a passage of scripture that indicates why doubt is so damaging and why it needs to go from the book of James, James 1.8. James 1.8 reads like this, The one that doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect that they will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded they become unstable or inconsistent in all of their ways. I mean, when we see doubt creeping into our lives, it should set off alarm bells. It should be something that is identified as unwelcome, that is an aggressive force against all that is good and all that is godly in our lives. And we ought to not only sound off those alarm bells to ourselves, but we ought to share that with the body for the sake of receiving assistance. Uh, unfortunately, in church communities today, we've been groomed to appear to be so strong and independent that we don't need each other. And it's, it's a real scheme of the devil. I mean, as a pastor, I don't mind showing my clay feet because I know better than to come up and act like I don't deal with doubt, that I don't deal with fear, that I don't deal with anxiety. And if we take on the mentality that these things aren't a thing that we would deal with or aren't a part of our lives, we take the bait and fall into the trap and we lose the number one effective tool that we have to wage war against these things that wage war against us, and that's each other. The body of Christ to edify, to encourage, to share in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, to bring words of wisdom, words of knowledge, to bring prophecy, to bring faith, to bring healing, to bring effecting of miracles, to bring all of the gifts of the Holy Ghost that we've been equipped to bring to one another so that we can function and operate consistently as the kingdom of God. Doubt's got to go. Sorrow needs to be appropriate, and the past needs to stay in the past. And as we walk in the consistency that God's called us to, we celebrate the wonders of his faithfulness, not only to our life, but through our life. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something great in our lives as we take the word in this morning. I want to ask something specific. 
Now, uh, the Spirit of God is present to minister to every person in the room and in the unique way that they're in need of ministry. But I mentioned something in that message specifically that I want to address and, and deal with, and it was the how-to. It was the instruction part. The instruction that came from seeing the Lord always and therefore remaining consistent. And, and that's really what I want. I want it for me. I want it for us as a body collectively. The same thing that Paul would pray when he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart be open. I think that's a good prayer to pray, not just one time and having some experience where, you know, you get goosebumps and things feel nice. But I want that to be a prayer, a consistent prayer in our lives. Father, today, let my eyes be open to see Jesus in everything, in every situation, in all circumstances, so that I never be led by the things that are not of your kingdom. I don't want to be led by the wind or the waves, but rather I want my eyes fixed on Jesus. I don't want to be led by outside circumstances or worldly influences, but I want to be led by Jesus. Let me see Jesus. That's the prayer. I want to pray that you're welcome to be in a, an attitude of agreement or, or simply a state of receiving, but I want to pray that for all of us collectively. There's no more powerful minister in the room than the Holy Spirit himself. So there where you stand, you're welcome to join in or simply be in a state of receiving. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call to stability, for the call to consistency that you've placed in our lives by bringing the consistency of Jesus Christ into our being, into our mind, into our hearts, all by your spirit. We rejoice in that call. Let us focus on the root, not be distracted by the fruit, but let us pursue consistency in our attitudes, in our actions, and let every moment of inconsistency be identified as a moment in which we need to see Jesus. And let our eyes be given to see our King Jesus. Let us pursue seeing him in all that we do and through all that we endure and all that we affect that we might not only see him, but that we would see him and follow his lead. And in all things, let our eyes truly be fixed on him, that we wouldn't be affected by outside circumstances or worldly influences that so desperately want to bring inconsistency into our lives. But let us stand steadfast, consistent, as your beloved children, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, our King, our example in all that we do, and let the effects be the promised peace, prosperity, and abundant life that your word guarantees your people. We bless your name and we thank you. And we rejoice above all else in your faithfulness that you never change, that you remain. And we thank you for your loving kindness. We rejoice in your faithfulness. And we surrender our lives to be lived out consistently according to your will and by the example of our King Jesus, all for your glory. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at Church.